Next Sunday is Launch Sunday, and just to remind you why. Why is it that we are doing this big launch? I mean, we could say, oh, we're just changing the name. It's fine. Not a big deal. Why are we making it a big deal? <clears throat> because we want to reach our city. We want people to know Christ. And so this is an opportunity to invite them to be a part of something that's happening, uh, a new season for our church, and to invite them into a place where they can hear the gospel of Jesus. Amen? And so that's what we're doing, and, uh, and we're doing that together as a church, so we're excited about that. And we also have invite cards, and we're going to pass those out at the end of service for you guys this week to give out to the people that you've been praying for over this summer. And uh, just we're going to pray over those as well and just pray that God moves on people's hearts and that we see a number of people, sons and daughters of God, uh, reconciled in relationship with their Heavenly Father next week. Does that sound good? Amen. Does that sound good? Yes? All right. Okay, good. It is good. Awesome. You guys ready for the Word of God? All right, all right. Well, I don't know if you guys have had this experience before, but a lot of times when I look back on old photos and uh, photo, you know, albums, like for, for those of you who are old enough to have photo albums, uh, and you're looking back at the pictures, you have this experience where you'll, you'll see one and you're like, oh, look at me, look at me back then, oh my goodness, those were great times, oh my goodness, and it's all these great, awesome memories start coming to your mind, and then you think, oh man, I was, I was a lot thinner back then. And so you have this great memory and you're like, oh man, shoot. I need to get in the gym there or something. So you have that, or maybe it's uh, you're you're looking back at, at you as a as a teenager and and oh my goodness, oh I was such a little punk back then. I was oh such a dork when I was a little kid. Oh my goodness, this is crazy. And then you have a memory and you're like, oh I'm I'm still a dork actually. Darn man. Uh, or uh, you have you remember an event differently, right? from someone else. Like you and your spouse remember something that happened completely differently. Like you have two different perspectives on something that took place, right? So Katie and I remember this happened to us. Um, they at, right after Christmas, someone had asked us, so how was your, you know, Christmas Eve? How's your Christmas weekend? And I was like, oh man, it was awesome. We had so much fun, you know, hanging out with people. It was a great time. It was just wonderful. And Katie's like, what are you talking about? We had a pipe freeze and burst in our garage the day before Christmas Eve. Our basement flooded. We had to get a shop vac and suck up all the water. We had to call an emergency repair guy to come in and repair it, and we had to submit an insurance claim, and it was all happening on Christmas Eve. The day before, we were going to have our Christmas Eve service, and we're going to host our entire family the next day for Christmas. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so it's just amazing how when we're looking back and we're looking at our past and we're having different memories, we can have two completely different experiences, two completely different perspectives. And 
especially when we look at our past, it can encourage us and it can empower us or it can discourage us or even be debilitating at times. And so the title of my message this morning is An Empowering Past. An Empowering Past. So let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, thank you that you speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here today, Father, and we open up our hearts to hear from you. God, what are you saying to us this morning? I want to hear from you, Father. And Lord, I just pray that anything that I say that it's not of you, that it will fall to the ground and come to nothing, God, but that your word will remain and be a seed planted in good ground, bearing fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, at the beginning of summer, if you remember, we had a message called Remembrance Brings Renewal. You guys remember that? We talked about, you guys remember the Sermon on Remembrance? Um, Remembrance brings renewal on how when we remember things, it, it does. It renews us because vision leaks and values drift. And that's why it's important for us to be intentional about remembering. Remembering and aligning our hearts with the things that God has spoken to us. The things that he said to us. The mission that he's placed us on this earth for. And aligning us ourselves continually with that mission and with that heart and with his words. We have to remind ourselves. But it doesn't only bring renewal. It also can empower us in our past when used by God as an instrument of righteousness. Can actually push us and propel us us forward into his future and hope that he has for us, the place that he's prepared before us to go. And so there's two different ways, as we've seen, that we can view our past, two different perspectives that we can have in looking at our past. And we're going to look at that today, and we're going to look at the Israelites as an example of this. Um, So uh, we're looking at the time where the Israelites were in the desert. They had just been set free from Egypt, okay? So they had spent 400 years in slavery, in bondage in Egypt. And you guys know the story, Prince of Egypt, right? You guys have seen the movie? That's such a great movie, by the way. Awesome soundtrack. And, uh, and so Moses shows up on the scene. He tells Pharaoh, let, you know, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And he's like, all right, you asked for it. And then 10 plagues, you know, come. And, and so finally Pharaoh lets the people go. And they have this huge deliverance by the hand of God, incredible stuff, right? And then they plunder the Egyptians, like take all their treasure. They just give it to them, like just get out. Uh, and so they give them everything they have. And then, and then they come after them, right? And then they're at the Red Sea, and you guys know the story, right? And then God parts the Red Sea, incredible. They walk on dry land through it, and he drowns all the enemies behind them. And then they sing this song of praise, of deliverance. Woohoo! he set us free. And then like a few days later, they start complaining. And they start complaining about the desert. It's hot. We don't have any food. We're going to die out here. We should go back to Egypt where we had food, and then God provides supernaturally all this manna from heaven. It's incredible. And then they complain, oh, we don't have any water, and then God provides water. And then they say, oh, we should go back to Egypt because we don't have any meat. We need some meat because in Egypt we had melons and leeks and onions. 
I don't know. They, I, don't, I guess they really like leeks and onions. Um, but then God provided again. And so you just see this constant pattern of them remembering Egypt, but from a really obscure perspective of saying, I want to go back there, back into slavery, back to, uh, to that place. And we're going to pick up in Psalms 106, actually. He's referring to this story and to the Israelites at this time in verse 6. He says, we have sinned even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. We are, when our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. And they rebelled by the, Red, by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. And so, and then in, in, in Numbers 11, it, it shows this complaining, this putting God to the test. Verse 4 says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remembered the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the no cost, they were slaves. Um, also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna, this supernatural bread from heaven. And then Numbers 14, verse 1. That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. Because death is better. Or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. To slavery. Now, so you see a couple of things here. They're remembering things about Egypt. Right? But their perspective is all obscure. They forgot the fact that God delivered them, his power in providing for them, his majesty, his glory in setting them free and plundering the Egyptians and the miracles and signs and wonders. They forgot all that. And they forgot the fact that they were in slavery in Egypt. Hey, we had food at no cost. Now the cost was your life enslaved, right? They forgot that. And so what happened was they gave in to destructive lies instead of liberating truths. And so they listened to the wrong person when they were looking back at their past. They weren't listening to God. They were listening to the enemy. And you can see then that our past either it can work for us or against us, depending upon who we listen to. Psalms 143, verse 4, it says, So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. And listen to what the psalm said. When his heart is dismayed, what does he do? I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider 
what your hands have done. And then I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. So you see in the Psalms how when he remembers the works of God, it actually develops trust in him, gratitude, thanks. He's empowered. He remembers how God set him free, how God brought deliverance, how God moved in his life and transformed and redeemed and restored. And so his memory, his past is propelling him forward into the plan of God. So the past can work against us or the past can work for us. The past can be either a prison or a propellant. It can be one or the other. And as Brenda was saying, there's things in our past that can imprison us, that can enslave us, where we look back and the enemy reminds us of all the mistakes that we've made, of all the things that we've done wrong. And he shames us and places a burden of guilt upon us because of the things that have happened. And we are bound to our past. Or... The Holy Spirit reminds us of his redemptive work and our past pushes us forward into a liberating future. Isn't that amazing? The difference depending on who we listen to. So looking back isn't the problem. It's who we're listening to when we do it. So Romans 6 verse 11 In the same way count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. And so, who we listen to determines whose hands we are in. So if we listen to the enemy and to his voice, then we're presenting ourselves to him. And we're putting our lives into his hands as an instrument of unrighteousness to to bring destruction to ourselves or even to others. So when we listen to the enemy, that's what we're doing. We're presenting ourselves, we're offering ourselves to him. Yes, whatever, whatever you want, I'll just listen to you. But when we listen to God and what he's speaking to us, we present ourselves or offer ourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness in his hands to bring glory to himself and life to others. So who we listen to determines whose hands we're in. So let's discern between the two voices. What is the voice of the enemy when we look at our past? What do we hear the enemy saying? Not the Lord, because he'll try to deceive us and to tell us this is what God is saying. It's not. And then what is God saying? So let's look first at the enemy. The enemy would use our past as an instrument for destruction or unrighteousness to deceive, discourage and discredit. The enemy wants to speak deception, discouragement, and he wants to discredit us. So he wants to deceive us. So when we look at our past, he wants to tell us, hey, oh, remember the good times back then? Yeah, yeah, those times are gone. They're long gone. In fact, that's all lost now. Look at where you are now. There's no more hope for your future. All the good that's happened in your life was in the past. 
and now that time is over. And so there's, there's nothing to live for anymore. You've lost all the good. And that's, that's his lie. And like I told you last week, one of, the, one of the people I was working with was literally telling me that. That all the good had already happened in their life and now they had nothing else to live for. And that's a lie. It's just not true. The word of God makes it clear that he has a future and a hope for us. He has good works prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age. He has a mission. He has a purpose. His presence, his life, eternal life is to know him. So the enemy, of course, he wants to tell us, yeah, all the good is over. That's gone. There's nothing left living for. Living for, excuse me. So he wants to deceive when we look back. He also wants to discourage. When we look at our past, he wants to tell us, you know what, you're never going to win. See, look, you did the same thing that you always do. You made the same mistake. See, you did it again. You made the same mistake again, over and over again. You're never going to overcome it. Anytime we make a mistake, the enemy is right there. Now, he doesn't want us to know about all the other things that we've done right, all the things that have gone well. He, he's, gonna, he's not going to tell us about that. He's going to keep those under the rug. But he will bring up the, but look, see that mistake you made? And, and remember, one mistake doesn't cancel all the redemptive work that God has done in our life up until that point. But he'd have us believe that. And so, when we look at our past, he's going to discourage us and say, ah, you can't ever break free. You know what? You might as well just kind of give in and enjoy it because you're never going to be free from it. But again, what about all the work that God has done? Oh, don't look at that. Just look at this, this mistake, this imperfection, and zoom in on that to where that's all you can see. That's what the enemy wants to do. So when we look back, he's telling us that. He wants to discourage us. And then when we look at our past, he wants to discredit us. He wants to disqualify us. He'll say, God won't use you because of what you've done. He's not going to use you. You can't be a leader. You can't influence people. Don't, don't even think about trying to help your coworker or your neighbor. Look at, look at what you're doing. Look at your life. Look at how... Look at all the things that you've done. You can't tell them about Jesus. I mean, my goodness. Look at the mess that you're in. You're not qualified for that. Lie. Because Jesus has qualified us, not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done. Because of his blood shed on the cross for us. But he'll tell us you're regulated to no hope and to no future. You're just going to have to work your way up to the top. You know what I mean? Because you made a mistake. Now you've got to start at the bottom and work all the way up to the top of the mountain of righteousness before God will use you. It's not true. You're already there because of Jesus. Amen? So the enemy wants to use our past to deceive discourage and discredit. Now, what does God say when we look back? What is he speaking to us? God uses our past as an instrument of righteousness through profession, praise, preparation, and people. So profession. 
God says, when we look at our past, God says, hey, remember who you were and look at who you are now. Remember who you were? Look at who you are now. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, you were once darkness, but now, now, right now, everyone in here, right now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So God says, remember who you were and look at who you are now. Look at what I've done. Look at the redemption of God in your life. Look at who you are. You've been declared righteous because of my son. You are the righteousness of God in him because of his sacrifice and his death on the cross. You're my adopted son and daughter in whom I am well pleased. You are blameless before me in love. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I've given you all wisdom and prudence and the knowledge of me. This is what God is telling us. He's saying, this is who you were, and look at who you are now. And man, we have much to give thanks for, amen? So he professes over us. He speaks over us and affirms who we are in the transformation that has come. And so when we look at the past, he says, look at who you once were and now who you are. That's my work in your life. And give praise. And the second thing is praise God speaks to us as we look at our past. He says, remember where you were and look at, look at where you are now. Look how far you have come. Look at the redemptive work. Look at your growth and, and maturation. Look at the transformation that has taken place within you. Look at the, all the victories that you've had in your life, the things that you have overcome, the, the good habits that you've, uh, that you've started to practice and instill. Look at all the bad habits that you once had that you no longer have. This is all the stuff that the enemy tries to sweep under the rug and he doesn't want you to look at. He just wants you to look at your mistakes or your imperfections. But God is saying, no, look at all this. Look at all the good. Look how far you've come. Ephesians 5, oh, sorry, no, Colossians. Look at what Paul says at the beginning of his letter in Colossians, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Paul always makes it a point to bring attention to the growth that has happened in the lives of believers. At each, the opening of each letter, the first thing he does is encourage them. Now, he corrects, but the first thing he does is say, look how much you've grown. Man, we've heard about your faith and how faithful you've been and, and your service and your love for God and it's spread throughout the country and it's amazing what God has done among you. And there's some things that you should probably change and correct, but look at all the stuff that God has done in you. He encourages the people. Remember, the enemy wants to discredit that transformation. And he wants to say, because you made that mistake, because you relapsed or because you gave in to sin, because you did that, now all of that transformation is gone and you have to start over from scratch. That's not, that's not true. 
When we make a mistake, that's out of character. When we sin, it's out of our character. Why? Because God said, no, you are light in the Lord. You're children of light. And so when we sin, he says, that's not in alignment with who God has said you are. You're trying to pretend to be someone else. You're righteous. You're a holy son and daughter of God. So God praises, he encourages us. He reminds us of how far we've come and all the victories along the way. And then number three, when we look at our past, there's preparation. God says, remember what you did and learn from that. We can learn from the mistakes that we've made in our past. We can learn from the things, the hard times that we've had. How many of you guys know that we learn from experience, right? It takes us making the mistake to learn from the mistake. It's just, that's why, you know, God uses sheep uh, as a descriptor of us as humans. <laughs> we, have to, we have to make the mistake, and then we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess I should have taken your word for it. That was a bad idea, <laughs> you know? And so we can learn from the mistakes that we make and use wisdom in that way. Jesus always points us to who we are first when he's correcting us. He always says, hey, remember who you are. Because what you might have done when, when we sin, he says, that's not who you are. What you just did. He reminds us of who we are. And then just like that woman that was caught in adultery, he says, I don't condemn you but go and sin no more. He corrects us. He gives us forgiveness and grace and mercy, and then he points us to himself and the path that leads to righteousness. But he prepares us, and our past can prepare us for our future. So he professes over us our identity in Christ. He encourages us and praises all the transformation that's happened and the victories that we've had along the way. And then he uses the wisdom that we've gained through life experiences to prepare us for the future. Do you see the, the marked difference between the enemy's use of our past and God's? And then the last thing here, and maybe one of the most powerful, is people. When we look back, God says, remember who was there for you. And give thanks for them. God would have us give thanks for the people who have poured into our lives and gone before us so that we might continue his redemptive work in our world. Remember, remember the people who, were, who was there for you. The person who spoke into your life. When you hit rock bottom, the person that was there to, to listen and to love and to point you to Jesus. Remember and give thanks for those people in your life. Paul does this in Hebrews 11, verse 32. He says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. 
There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Paul made it a point to remember those who had gone before us and to give thanks for them through their faithfulness and the stewardship of the mission that God gave them. Because of their faithfulness, we are here today. I know that there is people in your life that God has used to pour into you. And the reason why you're here and you're serving Jesus and your life is full of hope and purpose and encouragement and direction, it's because there was someone along the way that God used to speak into your life. Someone who was a representative of Jesus, an ambassador of a heavenly kingdom, who took the time to love you well. Amen? So when we look back, we remember all that God has done, all the victories that we've had along the way, all the lessons that we've learned through hardship and through trials, and all the people that God has brought to us. And then what do we do? We give thanks. And we let gratitude rise up within us. And gratitude, and it is a force to be reckoned with. Because when we're full of thanksgiving and gratitude, we become an unstoppable force. Nothing, nothing can hold us back from what God has for us when we have gratitude pushing us forward and propelling us into his future. Amen? So I want to close with this. Last week, uh, we closed out our series on the law of love, and we talked about a love that perseveres and remains loyal to the end. We talked about a love that never gives up, but affirms the future. And I mentioned how Um, In this church, there's many of you here, most of you that are here, you have exemplified that kind of love. And we are where we are today because you persevered, you remained loyal, you never gave up. And not just that, but you believed in and you hoped for and you affirmed the future of this church in this body of believers. And that's why we are where we are. It's because of your faithfulness and your stewardship of God's call on this body. So with today being the last Sunday of us being the table, we get to hear the song, the intro song for the last time, come to the table. I wanted to take some time to reflect and to go back in order to go forward. I want to give honor where honor is due. I want to give thanks for the people of our past and present that have allowed us and propelled us to move forward into our future. So what we're going to do 
is we're just going to take a few moments to reflect. Uh, we're going to turn on some instrumental music here. And like I said, it's a little bit of a different Sunday. But I truly believe that gratitude and praise and thanksgiving propels us forward to what God has for us. To look back, to remember, and let God speak. There might be things in your past where the enemy has put his stamp on them and labeled them as this is destructive, you're a failure, whatever else. And today, this is an opportunity to take off that label and put God's label of redemption on that and on that story and how he's turned those things for good, how he's set free, how he's liberated. So this is what I wanna do. I wanna take a moment and I want us to just, right where you are, just close your eyes, bow your heads, and I want you to reflect. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, remind me of all the good you've done in me, of all the victories you've brought in my life, all the incredible works, your mighty hand, your signs and wonders, my testimony, the message of my life, my life song to you. And just remember, Lord, remind me of all the people that you've brought into my life that have spoken into me that were there for me in my darkest moments when the weight was too heavy to carry alone. They shared the burden. Lord, remind me of those people. The moments you've had, even within this church body, the, the victories that have come because of this church family, of the people in this family, how they've been there for you, poured into you. God has ministered through his people to you. So this is what we're going to do. Keep, keep just in an attitude of prayer. We're going to take a few minutes. We're going to have instrumental music playing and just listen to the voice of God. Reflect and remember and let that gratitude just stir up within you. We're going to take a few moments and then I'll come back up to close this in prayer.
grateful. You can keep the music going. Father, thank you, God. We are so, so grateful. Thank you, God, for all the incredible men and women who've been there for us, who've prayed for us, who've listened to us, who've cared for us, supported us, encouraged us, who reminded us of who we were, maybe when we lost sight of it. Thank you, Father, that you've always seen us, known us. You've always been with us. And you've always been for us. We thank you, Lord, that you will continue. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you, God, that all the incredible things that you've done up until this point, you're just going to continue to do. Because that's how good you are. We thank you, God, in advance for all the miracles and signs and wonders you're going to do in our future. We thank you, Lord, in advance for all of the victories the transformative moments, the encounters with the living God. Lord, we thank you, God, for the moments we're going to have in your presence, the moments being transformed by the truth of your word. Lord God, the tears that we're going to cry together, the joys that we're going to share together, we thank you, God, that there is more because You came to bring life and life that overflows in abundance. So, Father, thank you for the more that is to come. Thank you, God, for all that has brought us to this moment. And we thank you, God, for everything that lies ahead for us, Jesus. You are good. And your mercy and your love endures forever. We give you thanks and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, that was great. (laughs) So much to be thankful for. So much good. Remember that the enemy wants to minimize it. Don't you just tell him to shut up? Nah. I know. I know the truth. I know what God is saying. There is so much to give praise for, so much to give thanks for. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're here, guys. This is it. Launch Sunday is next Sunday. So excited about that. Uh, And so this is my challenge to you. At the beginning of the summer, I said there's, we're writing down two names of two people that we knew that maybe they don't know Christ or maybe they've just fallen away from the Lord and it's been a long time and they need to come back 
can be reconciled in relationship with their Heavenly Father. There's two names that you wrote down at the beginning of summer. If you haven't yet, this is the week to invite, to reach out, take courage, and invite them to join you this next Sunday. Invite them to join you for the launch. Just We have invite cards here at the back. We're going to pass those out as you go. Take as many as you want. Uh, if there's a lot of people you want to invite, please take as many as you want. If there's just the two, then take two. That's fine. But just invite them to, to join you. Say, hey, man, our church, we've been preparing for this launch Sunday coming up. It's this Sunday. Uh, we're just celebrating. We're launching a new name. We have a new vision. And we've been renovating the building. We've been doing stuff in our kids' ministry. It's been awesome. We're really excited to celebrate this Sunday. We'd love for you to join us for this new season of our church. It's going to be amazing. So just invite them to join you and just hand them the invite card and, and then trust that God's done the rest. We've been praying. God's been working on their heart. And they might say, oh, yeah, well, I might check that out. Or they might say, nah, <laughs> it's okay. We trust that God's working in their life. We just reach out, invite people this week, um, spread the word, and uh, let's see God move people's lives. Amen? I'm excited. I love you guys. Thank you a million times over. And again, I, I just have to say it again. VBS was incredible. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to make sure to show, show you guys some, some pictures and videos. They're on, the, they're on social media and stuff. Check those out for sure. But we'll get those together so you guys can see them. We can see them as a church and celebrate that. Um, but man, one more time, can we give like a huge round of applause to everyone who served at VBS and just gave of their time to these kids. Incredible job, guys. It was amazing. I have to say one thing. I heard from one parent, they, they don't go to our church and they were visiting for VBS. And uh, the mom said to me, she goes, our daughter, this morning, it was Friday. So our daughter woke up this morning and came downstairs and she grabbed me. She said, I can't wait to go to VBS. That's the first thing she said in the morning. That is a win. You know that they were doing an incredible job here if you get that kind of a response from a nine-year-old kid. So um, pretty awesome. And it was. It was wonderful. Awesome pirate theme. I mean, goodness. I mean, the boat, the theme, the mass. It was just it was, it was amazing. So thank you guys, wonderful. And uh, thank you all, every one of you that served on our, our work days, helped to renovate the building uh, to get us to this point. It's amazing. We love you guys. And then launch team meetings right after this. Um, we're going to take a break. We're going to have some snacks and stuff. We'll have child care for that. And we'll have a, a brief, a shorter launch team meeting. We're just going to pray over next week and a few things. Last final thoughts. Love you guys. And I'll see you next Sunday for launch Sunday. Grab some invite cards. Woo! Let's do it.